The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and we are here at Daytona International Speedway. We have just watched the Daytona 500, and we are going to talk about that. You may hear some background noise because the Xfinity Series race is still going on. Um, trying to keep an eye on that uh, just to make sure nothing crazy happens as we're talking about things here, Jordan. But... Uh, weird day in that the Cup Series season has started before the Xfinity Series season. <laughs> uh, another rainy weekend Oof. for NASCAR. But uh, the race is gotten in under sunny skies. William Byron has won the Daytona 500. First of all, Jordan, how are you? We today? have to discuss the elephant in the room before we get to anything else. And we won't spend too much time on this. You look damn good, my friend. I don't know who dressed you, but you look great. Endless stream of compliments on social media, praise throughout the garage, nonstop. Jeff Gluck looks great. So kudos to you. Marvelous. All right. Listen, you were right. Okay. The outfit is nice. I will give you that. I want everybody to, I, I'm not being a, you look, okay. It's, it's nice. It's better than I thought. Okay. Like, you know, it's, it's not bad. Okay. I liked it, but listen. This wearing this outfit was like if I put the Mickey Mouse costume on to walk around Disneyland today, like the amount of people like I could not go anywhere without people saying something or want to take a picture, which is nice. That's great. I'm not oh, the, mad at I'm that. so hard being Jeff Glock. I know. Oh, but it's the cross you bear. I don't like it. I that's what I don't like. I do a lot. I, I don't want people to look at me. I, I'm never the kind of person that's going to have a fancy sports car so that I roll up and people are like, oh, look at that guy. But yet last night at a gas station, <laughs> I'm pumping gas. Guy rolls down his window and goes, hey, hey, nice suit. Love the suit. I walk into my hotel lobby last night, no joke, and a guy goes, man, love the suit. Every single person in the hotel lobby turns their heads and looks at me. That's my nightmare, okay? I don't like that. So when I was you know, walking around the track today and people are saying stuff, and they're – look – as you said, it's all positive. People like it. They're not saying, "Oh, you look like a clown." You did me a favor. It was very. You were very generous in your in your outfit here. It's it's not bad. I, I dig it, but uh, I, I don't like everybody looking at me, which is again weird for somebody talking to a bunch of people on a podcast right now when you're all looking at me. But um, no, listen, I, I, it's just weird. I can't wait till this is over. I have brought a change of clothes into the media center as soon as we're done with this podcast. I am out of this thing. So um, I have fulfilled my end of the deal. We will never do this bet again. We'll do a different bet. <laughs> and look, here's all you need to know. On, the, on pit road after the race, drivers are getting out of their car after Daytona 500. And before they're answering questions, they're, talking to, they're making comments about my suit. I ran into Dale Earnhardt Jr. And he walks up to me. He goes, ha, ha, ha. And then he just left without saying anything. He didn't even say any words. He just went, ha, ha. I was in victory lane uh, covering Alex. Uh, Covering William Byron's victory, Alex Bowman came by to graciously congratulate his teammate on his win, which we will certainly get into. Alex comes up to me and goes, you picked us. He was 
astonished about the suit. And actually, I don't know if Alex was a fan of the suit. He was one of the uh, rare exceptions who maybe didn't like it as much as others. But uh, even he commented as he was in victory lane uh, celebrating a 1-2 for Hendrick Motorsports. Well, let's talk let's about the that. race because I think... We're done with this. We're moving on. Okay. Speaking of Alex Bowman, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. But, uh, you know, he, he certainly played a part in the finish. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of this because, to, to me, first of all, on, on the top level of all this, I thought it was a great Daytona 500. I was very enthralled. Um, I thought the racing was really good. Yes, a lot of the pack racing is because they were saving fuel, and so they're stuck together for a long period of time um, and not going anywhere, and I get that. But when they raced, like, toward the end of Stage 2, and you're like, surely they're going to wreck, and they didn't. And then for, you know, a large portion toward the end of the race after the, after the last fuel stop and everything, um, I mean, it was super compelling, super tense. You felt like the big one could happen at any moment, and it finally did. But up until that point, it could have happened oh. seemingly a dozen times. Even William Byron said in the press conference that he couldn't believe it took that long for them. So, um, you know, I, I just thought it was really compelling. Now, yes, the, the race ends anticlimactically because we didn't get to see sort of the finish. Um, and we'll talk about the finish as well and, the, and sort of the controversy that goes along with that. But overall, I just thought, OK, this is I mean, I was pretty entertained. I was pretty into it the entire time. So to me, it was a good Daytona 500. What about I, you? I have no reason to complain about the race. I mean, yeah, you could say you'd like to see that last lap finish, but it, you know, it's part of it, right? Sometimes that happens. And I thought the racing was really good. I didn't really feel like there was a lot of lulls, to be honest with you. You know, sometimes in these races, um, especially in the middle stages, people kind of settle down, start running single file, and you don't really see much. And it feels like you're just kind of riding it out and kind of collecting laps. I never felt like that at all. And one point, um, a couple points actually, uh, like 63 laps to go. I was like, I, and I didn't know the lap count. And I'm like, man, I wonder if we're you know close to halfway here. And I looked up and I'm like, holy crap, like we're well past halfway. <laughs> There's 60, 60 some laps left in this race. And then it got down to like 20 to go. And I was like, whoa, it, it, I mean, it blew by. And I will say, we so often in these races talk about the big ones and the crashes and everything else and, you know, these multi car accidents. And certainly we, we had that. No, no denying that at the end, but we went a really long stretch today with no, none of that, you know, and I, and I don't even know if I count that one on lap five or six, because that just happens. Like you're going to see those kind of wrecks happen, especially at the beginning of a race at any track when the field is bunched together and there's nowhere for anyone to go. I, I, they raced hard. They raced relatively clean. Um, I thought there was passing. We talk a lot about super speedways about can the guys make moves? Can guys come from the back? We saw that today, and it wasn't easy, you know. And I and I think sometimes that can be with this with these aero packages is people want big moves, and it almost seems like too easy. It's like you can just go from the back to the front in a couple laps. Like you kind of got to work your way up there, and it was it was part of it. I I liked how this race played out. I think it rewarded drivers who are smart and positioned themselves correctly. Of course, there's elements of, of luck. But William Byron did a really good job today. I thought Denny Hamlin did a really good job of kind of putting himself in position with the last 50, 60 laps of, oh, here comes Denny Hamlin. Now he's asserting himself. Um, this was a really good race from beginning to end. Yeah, the finish was what it was. You're going to get that, though. And you got a worthy winner. Um, I think it's important. I got to be careful how I say this. Is I'm not diminishing what Michael McDowell did in 2021. 
Austin Sindrick did in 2022, or Ricky Stenhouse did in 2023. They were deserving winners. They are very good in super speedways uh, races. But it's also nice to see one of NASCAR's elite talents, championship contenders, who going into the year everyone has pegged as the guy who, one of the guys who's going to win the championship, rise to the occasion and win this race. It really hasn't happened since 2020, and it was good to see that happen tonight. Yeah, I mean, you start off the year now, you know, the last few years we've been, well, our playoff picks are yeah, destroyed yeah, uh, right away yeah. here. No, yeah. um, there was a couple of moments tonight where know, I thought, oh, man, we are in trouble. Sure. Well, and, and that's exciting in itself. But, um, you know, we started off here where my pick for the person that's going to be the driver of the year overall um, goes straight to victory lane. And it's important to think, too, about William Byron because, you know, we did a, a NASCAR 75 survey um, in before last season, we, we pulled a bunch of people in the industry, you know, team owners, track executives, drivers, all sorts of people. Right. And you may recall that William Byron was not among the top 75 greatest cup series drivers in NASCAR history. Alex Bowman was one of the last ones to make the cut, but Byron at the time hadn't done enough. Then he goes out last year and he leads the series and wins. He makes a final four. Now he is a Daytona 500 champion at age 26. Uh, it's pretty indisputable now. Uh, he's probably not just among the top 75, but maybe closer to the top 60 or so. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, you, you can see the, what, what's happening for William Byron here. He's emerged. He's broken out. He's not going to go backwards. He's not going to fall off a cliff. He's only going to get better. He even said in his press conference tonight, you know, there's so many things I can do better as a driver, and I'm still learning. I mean, think about, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, after he's been in the series and gotten all this more experience – um, and is still driving for a top team. I mean, he's going to be lethal. He's going to be win multiple championships. He's just going to be someone who's just constantly there for the next generation. Um, and, you know, now he has checked off already a Daytona 500 where they showed on, on the TV graphic earlier, you know, six current cup champions have never won this race. So uh, it's, a big, it's a big day for him. Um, it's a big day for Hendrick Motorsports, who – Today is the 40th anniversary of their first ever race. They have now tied um, the all-time Daytona 500 wins record with nine. So it all sort of flows together um, for Hendrick, at least. And, you know, William Byron is, is starting off right away saying, here we go. You know, it's it's going to be a, a big season for him, I think. You make a really good point about Byron, and I think this is going to be something I write about on The Athletic in that, you know, he's always been labeled the can't-miss prospect, you know, the, the NASCAR's next superstar, future champion, the prodigy, right? All of these big labels have been put on him, and really every step of the way he's fulfilled expectations and done it almost immediately. Wins, you know, goes to the truck series in his rookie year, dominates. Doesn't win the championship, but dominates. Um, goes to the Xfinity Series the next year, wins the championship as a rookie, comes into Cup, has a really good, solid rookie year, wins Rookie of the Year, continues to make progress, makes the playoff the next year. And, you know, but then it kind of felt like he almost, I don't want to say plateau, but you could see it. Like he was just kind of, he was kind of having a hard time getting over that hump. And then last year, though, he did it. You know, he wins six races, leads the most, does all of these big things and leads these major statistical categories. And it's like, whoa. He is really now arrived. But that said, we have seen young drivers before. You know, Kyle Larson had a monster year in 2017 and wins four races and felt like he had merged. The next year, he wins zero races. Casey Kane wins six races 
um, one year finally breaks through and seems like he's finally going to fulfill that that the expectations. And then the next year doesn't win any. Um, so you know it was. I don't want to say you, Byron had to prove it again because it's unfair. But you and I don't want to use the word fluke, but I don't know another word to use. And like you, you've got to back it up, right? You got to show people that this isn't just a one-year wonder. And he did it, like he's done throughout his career. He 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 has knocked it down. And it seems silly to you know you, you're going to label you know a driver coming off a monster year like this, and now well he's got to win on a super speedway. But this is the Daytona 500. This is a race as, as you've noted. Many a driver, great driver, has not won this race, and he's now checked it off at age 26. And it really feels like the future is unlimited for him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, this is, uh, I'm sure, a very, very rewarding win for Mm -hmm. Hendrick and Chevrolet as well, the whole talk. Even today, you know, at at the tweet up, right, you know, we're asking people who you think is going to win. And and all you could think about was Toyota because they looked, as we talked about on our duels podcast, they looked so good. They looked so fast. You're like, I bet the Toyotas are going to dominate this race. Really, it seemed like a pretty even split between the manufacturers. I mean, I didn't really get the sense that one was far superior to another. Uh, but for Chevrolet to be the one manufacturer that did not have the new car, mm-hmm. you know, a, a new model this year, and all the talk was about the Fords and the Toyotas, um, and you go, oh, well, look, right away they win the Daytona 500, and Hendrick wins it for the first time in 10 years. Um, I'm sure that's a pretty satisfying thing for Chevrolet. Now, does that mean anything for the the rest of the season no right like i mean it doesn't mean anything. we don't know what's going to do on short tracks or intermediates but uh for them to get this one i'm sure feels feels quite yeah, nice you, you say you feel like the chevys were in the mix and i and i'll take the opposite approach to me it felt for a lot of the night a ford night it seemed like the fords were really quick um i know chase elliott won stage one and the hendrick drivers teamed up there at the end of it there to pass kyle bush to, to get the win but if it was kind of a lot of strategy there it felt like to me the Ford teams were really kind of that really Penske especially um, was in control of this race or asserting themselves, and then towards the end here comes Denny Hamlin. The Hendrick guys were certainly in the mix, but it didn't feel like they it, it just it, they were just kind of on the edge. It felt like, and it, it, it felt like it was going to come down to one of the Ford guys or maybe Denny Hamlin at the end, and then you had that big accident in turn three, which you know wiped out Keselowski and. Blaney and Truex and Hamlin and a lot of heavy hitters and then all of a sudden that's to me is when the Chevys really asserted themselves and I was like okay now this is their ball game I agree with that to an extent of like the Hendrick guys you know had a lot of their competition eliminated but remember who was leading when that wreck happened it was Ross Chastain yeah, true. good point um, he was you know when when they had they'd come off that last pit stop and it looked like the Fords and led by Joey Logano were going to sort of pick all that line off that had already um that had just come off pit road and he got all the way up and chastain pulled up in front and chastain was controlling it at that to that point so it just um, felt like it was inevitable that the fords were going to get him though could be i mean but the wreck happened happened. it doesn't matter i mean it's that but that's super speedway racing so let's talk about you know there was sort of two Rex, I think that are worth talking about. You know, you know, you, there was the one, you know, early in the race, um, the Keselowski push of Nemechek, and and uh, Nemechek then ends up hitting Harrison Burton. Harrison Burton collects Hosevar and Austin Dillon, Jimmy uh, Johnson, Jimmy Ryan Johnson, Kazgrala. Yeah, um, but 
that wasn't really the the race defining wreck, right? Yeah. Like the, the big one was all the heavy hitters were still in contention with uh, what nine laps to go, and uh, that's when that's when the big one happened. And um, it was so interesting. I, I mentioned Alex Bowman beforehand, so it looked to me like you know Bowman um, bumped Byron, who then turned Keselowski, hooked Keselowski, and that triggered the whole thing, right? Um, so afterwards, you know, I'm I'm talking to to Bowman on pit road. And I, I put the whole exchange on, on X, if you guys want to go look the exact quotes, but you know, I was like, Oh, so, you know, what, what happened there? What'd you see out of that? The, the big wreck. And he's, and Bowman says, well, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it might've started from, from the third lane. Like he was asking, like, is, is that right? And I'm like, wait, are we talking about like the big one? He's like, yeah, on the back stretch. I'm like, yeah, like you, you bumped Byron and Byron hooked Keselowski. And he's like, oh, okay, gotcha. Like, yeah, I didn't even know that. Like, he, he couldn't see. He said he couldn't see that um, Byron contact with Keselowski was what even started that. Like, the just the way you are in the pack, I guess. But um, both he and Byron said ultimately the same thing, which was, you know, they were, they were trying to work together. Byron just got a little bit out of shape. And Byron said the Chevy noses are a little bit more pointy. And he felt like if they just get misaligned a little bit, that can send the Chevys and Bowman said he was trying to get off them and he just kind of pushed at the wrong angle, I guess. And that sent, um, Byron into Keselowski, I guess. So, um, I chalk it up as one of them racing deals at super speedways, which was sort of a consistent theme of every driver that got out is just sort of like, that's how it is. That's how the racing is. Like whether you ask about the fuel saving stuff or the, which they didn't like racing like that, or, being in the wrecks are just like, it's like everybody just kind of just shrugs at this point and goes, yeah, ah, super. I mean, even Blaney, you're like, oh man, Blaney's going to be mad again. He was so mad at the duels and he even hurt his wrist this time. It looks like, and he gets out and he's like, oh, I'm not nearly as mad as that. That's just yeah. how it is. And you're like, oh, I guess that's just how yeah, it is. His wrist is okay. So he says, so that's good. So, I mean, but what do you interpret that? Like, I mean, super speedway racing, like it's part of it. When you make nine laps to go in the, in this race, any race in a super speedway, guys are making big moves. Guys are pushing hard to get to the front. You can no longer, you know, war, you, be concerned about, you know, taking care of your equipment and making sure you get to the finish. It's like, you got to go. And especially if you're coming from the back and you've been kind of conserving all day, like you've got to get that track position. You've conceded all day back. And you, you got to be aggressive. And sometimes you're going to push the guy in the wrong spot. Sometimes the guy's going to get a little loose. Doesn't, you know, with these new cars, got, you know, we, we don't. There's a lot of unknowns of how the bumpers are going to match up and how you can do pushes. It, you This is a cliche race and deal. Like, it, it, this is, there is no blame on this one. It wasn't like someone was being overly aggressive or someone made a stupid move or anything. It was just unfortunate this is what it was, and especially going into turn three. Um, when you're carrying all that speed down the backstretch, this is what happens. I know it's probably uh, the opposite of what a podcast should do. No, you need hot takes, like Jeff. This is like, I need you to give me a hot take on this race. Who's to blame? Who should keep their job? Who should be fired? Come on, demand something. I, I wish Wait. I could. You know, I wish I could say, man, what a stupid move this guy <laughs> made. What, I can't believe he, he did this. But like all the wrecks... That I mean, both the wrecks we're talk, about to talk about, I, I just, and I'll, we'll get to the other one in a minute, but like, it, it reminds me of what something that Kozlowski said on media day, because I was asking him about the unpredictable pushes, mm -hmm. and um, here's what he said, here's his quote, 
You just go out there and start pushing, and you hope you don't wreck the guy in front of you. There's not really an exact science. You don't know when you're pushing somebody, and they're going to wreck more times than not. Sometimes you get a little warning. You see a you see a guy bobble a little bit, and you go, whoa, he's at the limit. And then sometimes you're pushing someone, and everybody's everything's going fine, and then they're gone. And it's like, what happened to that guy? Um, so I think this was one of those situations probably where this situation, the, the big one, could have happened again, a dozen times earlier in the pack. We saw all these guys pushing the crap out of each other, and you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, I can't believe they're, they've kept it straight this long. Finally, one didn't go right, but to say, oh, you know, Bowman, Byron, Kozlowski, whatever, like, I just, I have a really hard time pointing the finger and going, I can't believe they did that or whatever. Like, it's nine laps ago in the Daytona 500. You're trying to get every position you can get. You're trying to work together and push, and this is not it's not very easy. I mean, it's, it's very, I know they make it look easy, but it's not. So I just don't have, I can't really point the finger. I'm sorry. There's no way to host a podcast. I, you need hot takes. You need to be plating fingers, assigning blame, demanding people accountability. All right. Well, let's, let's move to the last wreck. <laughs> All right. Okay. Who's the blame? So the last wreck, uh, Ross Chastain was in it, which makes you think, Blame Ross. Because Ross Chastain was making a move at the white flag. And so it's like, oh, that was, and that was my first, when it happened in the moment, I thought Ross got too aggressive too early, tried to make a move, game over, right? Then um, I listened to Austin Sendrick's interview from Front Stretch that they posted at the care center. And he wasn't mad at Ross. He was mad at Corey LaJoy. (laughs) I'm like, "What? what? What do you mean? So, so I was okay. like, boy, I, I really missed something here. I need to go back and watch the replay. So, again, when you watch the replay, yes, Ross at the white flag decides he's going to make a bold move to the inside. He's behind Byron, and he says, I'm going to sweep down to the bottom. And he said in his interview, he wanted to make sure he totally cleared Byron so that he wouldn't wreck Byron. So he wanted to go way low and aggressive to get out of Byron's way so he could try to clear him, right? But when you look at the same time, that's when what Sindrick is upset about. LaJoy tries to go underneath um, Sindrick and Sindrick kind of, I don't know, it probably wasn't even a block, honestly. It it was, he he was maybe trying to cover, but whatever. LaJoy is obviously, as he does at the end of this race is, you know, he's going absolutely foot to the floor. It's the white flag of Daytona 500. He's going for it, right? So that causes Sindrick to bobble just enough at the and so that bobbles Cindric up the track just as Chastain is making his sweeping move to come down they collide and that's what happened so I think either of those if either of those moves happen independently like even if Cindric gets out of shape it, I'm not sure Cindric wrecks right there he may be able to save it if Chastain isn't coming down and conversely if that bobble doesn't happen, and and Chastain makes his move down. He he might be able to clear it to for, to win the 500. So again, I wish I could say it was X person's fault. This is what happened. Blame this guy. He's the bad guy. But again, it seems like one of those racing deals. They're all going for it. You can't blame anybody. It's the last lap of Daytona 500. I mean, even even Byron in his post race press conference just said. You know, I was thinking during the red flag, oh, man, I hate that that 
I was caught up in that wreck or, you know, I, I was involved in that wreck. Um, but I need to put that behind me because, you know, this might be my only shot ever to win the 500. And he said, even now, this might have been it. Like, I might never line up on the front row of the 500 again, basically, or the front two rows, right? So, like, this is such a hard race to win and, and be in position even at the end, and it takes so much to go your way. You can't then f turn around and fault guys for going for it. I mean, how can you? That's just – so I just think it's, again, one of those deals. Hot take right there. One of those racing deals. The take is as hot as your suit, Jeff. Um, but you're right. But you're right. But you're right, though. Like, I mean, you know, it's like you, you want to say, oh, you shouldn't have done this. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Monday morning quarterback. I, I really don't feel like anybody did anything wrong. Everybody kind of did the right move at the right time. Like, even LaJoy, who did really – ran a really, really good race. Like, put himself in position. Um, was certainly – was leading a line late at the end and, in and, 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 you know, had a really good chance to win this race like you can't fault him like there you I mean cinder can blame him and I, and I get that but like you, you have an opportunity to win this race you're the, you, you don't have many opportunities like this because of the situation he's in it's like hell yeah you're gonna put your your foot into it you're gonna go and it didn't work out and I you know I'm fine with how the race played out I have no issues with the caution flag I want to hear your opinion on it I know you were telling me that social media was a buzz a little bit about this. I've looked at it multiple times before. I looked at it since. I don't see an issue. To me, it's conclusive. Twenty-four is the winner. Alex Bowman even seemed to concede it. Like I don't see what the 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 hubbub is about. Yeah. So um, I think it was maybe a couple things. I think Fox at the finish. You know, you listen to to Boyer and, and for a second he's like well the caution comes out there it looks like looks like Bowman's ahead and let's let's see what happened here and then I I you know I'm not I didn't watch the entire last part of the broadcast because I had to run outside but from what I could tell I'm not sure TV had access to the exact shot mm -hmm. or view or whatever that NASCAR used to judge um, and then so you know people start showing the replay of Bowman's in car and you slow it down enough and you see, okay, well, it looks like Bowman has pulled ahead. And when the light flashes, it looks like he's ahead at that point. So it's like, oh, okay, well, did, did they get this wrong? So then NASCAR ultimately comes out with the definitive screenshot, which is the aerial view. And they say, this is what they used here to decide this, which is the caution light that's on the actual flag stand, like that one that illuminates the big one, um, that is yellow. And you can see from this aerial shot that as that light is yellow, Byron is still slightly ahead. Byron is the winner. So yeah. I, I think I can understand why there's confusion because when you, when you look at Bowman's in car, it is kind of convincing like, well, it looks like he's maybe pulled ahead here and that light's on. I don't know if that light is timed the same I don't, I don't have that answer. I would like to know more about that. And you also, I will say from Bowman's in car, you, you kind of, you lose sight of Byron. And so I don't know. I, I would like to have more transparency and a, a more definitive shot. That aerial, like that all aerial shot was pretty good though. Like, I mean, yes, but could we see like a video or like, remember, I think, um, somebody, I don't know if it was cow trace or somebody on Twitter posted what happened to this shot from a few years ago. Like when McDowell, it was like a, 
virtual line. It was, tw- it was 2021 20, Daytona 500. He and Elliott. That wreck happened in turn three with all the Penske guys, and Elliott had passed him, but they, the caution was already out, and they came back and said, no, here, here's where everything matched up. But they had, like, a graphic yeah. with it and stuff. Yeah, and well, what happened to that know. thing? I mean, maybe we'll see it. I don't know. I haven't checked social media, so I couldn't tell you. Well, I, I'm not saying it to this it's just, point. It, it does not it, exist, To me, it though. feels like a non-controversy. Like, I mean, when you've got the second-place guy even saying, like, hey, the other car was ahead of me, um, you know, like. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, the fans are, are asking, you know, they just want to sure. know the rules. and, and But I, once they put that aerial shot out, it was like, okay, well, that's that's how it is. Now, the other part of this is, you know, the, the wreck seems to happen right before he gets to the line. And I would have thought for a moment, well, I mean, NASCAR's had a pretty quick trigger finger before. Could they not have thrown the caution right there? Um, I mean, it would have had to be split second, but to preserve, you know, to, to set up an overtime finish or whatever, right? But then um, NASCAR spokesman Mike Ford tweets, and, and then you kind of see their logic, which is that they saw the spin start to happen and it wasn't a multi-car deal yet, right? Well, I guess it was technically a multi-car. There was two cars, but it wasn't like a huge, it wasn't a big one. So you saw Chastain in the grass and you saw Cindric momentarily in the grass. And the decision from the tower was, let's hold this for a second. Let's see if they are in the grass and then we can keep it green, which is how they officiate the end of super speed races, right? Like you'll, you'll see sometimes one car spins off and they try to keep it green as long as they can until it's a dangerous situation. So NASCAR was thinking, okay, well, hold it, hold it, hold it just for a second here and just see. And then Mike Ford said, once Cindric started coming back on the up on the track, game yeah. over. You, yeah, and especially point, at that part of the racetrack, too, at the start-finish line, where you know cars are becoming at speed with high stakes. You can't have it. I mean, that's if this would have been the backstretch, that's a different story because it gives opportunity for the leaders to slow down that point of the racetrack you've got debris what else on the race fluids who knows what else on the race you, you can't do it and I, I again no problem at all with a caution in that moment yeah and it's look it's unfortunate because yeah it denied us a great finish i mean it, you know that memorable right. can't miss finish but what do you do yeah yeah no I, I just think i mean yes could you i i think the the decision is either if you can somehow immediately, as soon as one car gets out of shape at that point, throw the caution right before Byron gets to the line, and then you you make him re rack and do it again. Of course, you're that's then so tear up quick and of so dollars more. instantaneous. I mean, you would like, have had to do it. I mean, that's yeah. quick. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I, that's that's tough because yeah, and it, and especially yeah, if because so, you don't know this is all is unfolding in real time is like if the two and the one car get going again and drive away, you just threw a caution for no reason. And what would we be doing on this podcast? What would other people be doing? Why did they throw the caution? Oh, they're manufacturing it. And you know more than likely what's going to come from that restart. Well, you're going to probably end up having a caution or two. So it's like, I, I, yeah. I think they, NASCAR deserves credit for handling this the right way. They, they gave it that split second to try to not hit the button. And when it became evident that you they had to hit the button they hit the button and I, I really have a hard time quibbling with anything that unfolded from their end over the last you know two laps or whatever it was yeah i mean again sorry to be disappointing <laughs> here without the hot take boy 
But you're supposed to be the angry I mean, Jeff. Just, we missed the angry, riled up Jeff who had like spewing opinions and hot takes. I'll get there. I mean, it's a long season, buddy. It's it's I gotta only figure the out first something race, else so. to get you riled up about. Yeah, I'll, I'll rant, but I just <laughs> I'm I, I just think everybody's sort of accepted at this yeah. point. This is the nature of these races. This is the nature of these races with this car, because this car it's it's not as easy to dice through the pack, and so you really got to keep your track position, which makes everybody want to save want to take less fuel, right? Like so, you've got to save fuel the whole time, and. You know, and so they're they're racing, but but it also, again, to the casual fan, yes, they're saving fuel, and they're like, "This sucks, we can't go anywhere." But the casual fans watching a pack go around, they're not watching single files, so I don't know if it's, if it's actually that bad for like the casual viewers. Um, you know, and and it wasn't a clown show. You know, it wasn't like excessive wrecking. Um, it was pretty compelling for the most part, and you just didn't get a great finish. Other than that, I mean, sorry, it was fine. It was it was all good, you know. I mean, I can rant about Mother Nature. I feel bad for NASCAR, oh, honestly. I do like, too. like this is a horrible start. Like they have all this momentum, and and uh, you know, would have liked to see what would have happened with the Netflix effect had the, um, you know, had the clash gone off as scheduled, not had to go a day early and rushed and all that stuff, and um, you know, at, at Daytona getting postponed, obviously that that hurts. You don't know what the ratings are going to do. For this, obviously, it would have been better. But I mean, when you look at the dual ratings, were mm-hmm. the highest since 2019, and single car qualifying was up. You have to think ratings probably would have been up. It was probably going in the right direction. And so, like, it feels like NASCAR is actually doing some of the right things. And then both their first two marquee races here to start the season are impacted by rain. So pretty unlucky. But I tell you what, Jordan, if there's a year to do it, it's after you already signed that sweet TV deal. <laughs> I mean, you know? you're right. I mean, you don't got to worry about going to the negotiating table with your, you know, TV part potential TV partners and be, you know, trying to squeeze some money out of them. You, you've got that done, but I mean, there's still something to be said to go into your sponsors and, you know, saying, hey, you know, we had X rating on, at this time. I mean, the benefit is, is I, I do think viewers at home got a good race. They got a compelling race. They got a uh, a compelling winner. You know, an interesting guy. A, a, a I don't, a superstar. He may not be a household name yet, but I think he's on that path. That... Byron's a compelling winner and a superstar. One more time. You said William Byron is a compelling winner and a superstar. I think he is a compelling winner, and I think he's on the path to being a superstar of like that you know household name type guy. You don't think so? I don't. I don't know. No, I don't. Think you don't so. think he's on the path to being a household name? Mm, he's just not at this. Point. He just. Well, I, he's not saying right at this point, but the guy just came off a dominant season um we talked about you know almost won the championship comes back and wins the daytona 500 drives for an iconic team an iconic number like if he had if he backs up the year he had a year ago and does it again this year like that's pretty rarefied company like you you've taken that step i mean he's and you've got the interesting backstory of this you know young kid who who learned you know racing i racing and non-traditional way like that's I'm not saying he's now that the, that's who he is, but like another year or two of doing this. Yes. He's on that path. I don't think the fans feel sort of one way or another toward Byron at this point. So sure you have but, to have, but I mean, fans don't, there's a lot of drivers that fans are indifferent about. I mean, they doesn't make you any less of a superstar. Well, that's not compelling. <clears throat> I mean, I think it's com- compelling. is like somebody, that makes you either cheer or boo. 
Um, we saw The Rock talk about Denny Hamlin and how good a, a villain is it is to be a villain and let let me and Denny handle the booze. And here's my advice to Denny about being a villain and stuff. Um, you know, I think Byron is is a great dude. Um, he's super down to earth. I mean, for gosh sakes, he sits at home and does Legos in his free time. Um, he's a he's a nice guy. I mean, he grew up in suburban Charlotte. I mean, we heard about how you know he used to. I mean, he was growing up in Jimmy Johnson's neighborhood, bringing his pillowcase around trick or treating at Jimmy Johnson's house. And you know, now he he learns on, you know, you know, teaches himself essentially how to race. His parents give him a chance. Um, and now his hero, Jimmy Johnson, is congratulating him in Daytona 500 Victory Lane. It's beautiful. You just story. thank you. You just made story. a compelling. You just made my case. That's compelling. But I don't know that that resonates outside of our little bubble here. I don't know that that does anything. Does 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 the average sports fan are they aware of William Byron? Do they know who he is? I mean, I don't I think he's got a long way to go there. He's got to probably win multiple championships and be pretty dominant for a while, or uh date taylor swift or something to get on the map so um i I don't think i don't think it's it i don't think this win in particular like moves the needle outside our our bubble and that's nothing against william it's just like i mean well i mean there's a difference between he's compelling and interesting that's what i'm saying like is he gonna move the needle no i mean not necessarily but he is interesting like it's 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 the backstory is interesting. He's interesting. This is a no different than you know watching the Masters and this young kid who's been touted and has won a couple tournaments and think he's gonna be the next great thing. You know comes in and, and wins. Like that to me is that's how you become a story is you win races like this and you have a year like you had in 2023. Um, that you know. I think somebody sitting at home who's a casual NASCAR fan at best, they're like, wait a second, this kid is 26 and he learned he didn't start racing until his early teens and he did it on his computer and iRacing and all what? What? Like that, that you don't think people are like, that's kind of, that's interesting. I, I, I think there's something there. I mean, is he going to be a household name? Is he the next Dale Jr. or Jeff Gordon? No, like, no, like pump the, like, no, <laughs> but he, the, the story is compelling enough where like, Moms at home are like, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. I, I think there's something there. Why are you smirking like this? Can we just rewind to the beginning oh. of this discussion when you said he's on the path to being a household name, and then you just said, is he going to be a household no, name? No, but there's a no. difference between being like a Chase Elliott household name and a megawatt superstar like a Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt Jr. You just said. Oh, God. You're you picking this said, apart. He's on the path to being a household name and a superstar. And I go, no, I don't really think so. And then now you've come back and said, well, he's not going to be a no, household okay, name or a Chase He's not going to be a guy like, he's not going to host Saturday Night Live like a Jeff Gordon. He's not going to be a Dale Earnhardt Jr. shows with the MTV yeah, movie. Or, but exactly. you can still be a Thank superstar, though. He's point. like that, you know. I forget it. Oh, my God. He's exhausting. <laughs> oh, I love this podcast again. Oh, this is this is the best part of my. So you whole can day. only be a Sorry. superstar. There, there's not levels of superstardom. There's just like there's one level of superstardom, and that's it. Set up straight. I feel like I, I hope the chat agrees. So does that mean like Ryan Blaney's never is not a superstar because he's not a household name? Not yet. He's not a superstar yet. Okay. I think not there's yet. degrees of superstardom, but okay. Yeah, star and superstar. Here's superstar up here, and then there's star. So like that's the okay. degree. Cool. Okay. Like I think you're ready. To no, move it's on. fine. It was just it's semantics anyway. 
All right. Well, it was enjoyable for me. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, like, I, it sucks for NASCAR. Like, I mean, you have all of these things kind of fall into place, and the Clash was a good race. But, unfortunately, it was on Saturday night on cable, you know, not prime time on Sunday night. This was a, a good race. I, I'm curious to see the rating for this. I mean, we know it, it ended in prime time on Big Fox. Um, I don't know. You know this a little bit better than I do. I'm, I'm you know, I, I do think the potential is there for this still to be a, a good race. Um, but, you know, having it weather impact is, is certainly going to impact it. I will say, I thought there were a lot of people here today. Um, this didn't feel like a, you know, typical Monday, you know, postponed race. I was walking um, the pit road today and I was walking, looking around. And I'm like, damn, there, there are a lot of people here. Like, like a lot of people. And obviously, it's not what it would have been on Sunday. But I don't think it was dramatically off. I will say that. Yeah, a couple anecdotes from that. Um, number one, our friend Big Joe Wall, who we always talk about on this podcast because he he uh, calculates our results of the Good Race Poll, right? He showed up at the tweet up this morning. He wasn't supposed to come here. He said he was at brunch yeah. uh, yesterday morning in Michigan, and uh, he saw that the 500 was postponed, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to look into flights at the last minute hotels. They were cheaper because, you know, it was for the day after the 500. He was able to get tickets. He flew down and he went to the race. That early call by NASCAR mm -hmm. allowed that to happen. Another right? person and I that talked was to another thing. thing. And then I ran into somebody um, out in the fan zone. And um, she was saying that they had seen the forecast and they figured this was already going to happen, you know, because the forecast is pretty clear and never changed. So they just made their flights for Tuesday from the start. Like they just were like, no, we're, we're all good. We're just, we're going to build this in. So I think that the early call and the bad forecast sort of combined to make people have flexible plans or even bring people to the track that might not have able, been able to come otherwise. Um, so obviously look, some people probably had to eat their tickets. They had to go home. It wasn't, it didn't work out for everybody, but certainly a larger than normal, rainout crowd. I mean, it felt like it was still the big Daytona 500 crowd, if not an absolute sellout, then, you know, it felt, it felt huge. It felt important. So that's what you want out of Daytona 500. And, um, ultimately you finish, um, you know, in prime time on a Monday night, uh, probably not a bad no. thing, you know, let's see what the ratings do. That's obviously not, it didn't run as intended, but, um, Let's see what it does. Yeah. And I will say the forecast for Atlanta next uh, Sunday looks pretty nice for Atlanta, <laughs> considering what it's been the last few years uh, when it's been very chilly. It was in the last forecast I saw was like low 70s or something like that. It's like, all right, we'll take that. And I, this was NASCAR's reasoning for putting Atlanta in the second race of the year. But if you tuned in today and you liked what you saw, you're going to see something very similar next Sunday, which we'll, we'll, I don't know if that's – I don't know if you can relate that or not, but that's certainly going to be something to watch. It was interesting because um, drivers were talking at media day about how, you know, this could be really good or really bad, right? Like having two drafting style tracks back to back to open the season, because, you know, say you're, say you're a Corey mm -hmm. LaJoy type, right? Well, if you can string two great finishes together all of a sudden, or like Noah Gregson finished 10th, Zane Smith finished in the top 10. Um, John Hunter Nemechek finished in the top 10. Or maybe, did Zane Smith finish yeah, the top I 10? He I think finished, he did, right? I thought he did. That up? Uh, oh, no. 
He finished 13th. 13th. Close. Sorry. Um, anyway, if you can string those together, that's yeah. great all of a sudden, right? On the other hand, um, suddenly if you're, you know, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Blaney, Ricky Senas Jr., Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez, he needed a good start. Michael McDowell need, you know, needs a good start. Austin Dillon, off his bad season, he needed a good start. All this, Harrison Burton, yeah. right? Like, all of a sudden, you know, if you go to Atlanta now and, and you have another bad race or another crash that's even out of your own doing, it's like, oh, man, what a hole we've we've created for ourselves here. And it's we haven't even gotten to the real racing yet, so to speak. So um, it'll be interesting how you stack it up. Of course, uh, you will be at that race for the athletic. And so I should remind everybody that um, we have our own section on the athletic now, theathletic.com slash NASCAR, which has been very well received because people are so tired of seeing our stuff mixed in with F1 stuff. Some people like F1, some people don't, but they wanted us to have our own landing spot uh, where they can just go see our work. Um, And so you can do that now. Um, theathletic.com slash NASCAR. Uh, we, we were very proud of our stories that we had this week. Um, you know, I, I was probably most proud of my Spire Motorsports charter story, which I would like, I, since I spent like probably 15 hours writing that or something. Man, you're slow. <laughs> I would like everybody to read that, please. Um, your anonymous poll was Thank great you. and had some fantastic quotes uh, that people were still talking about, uh, especially regarding the tracks, what the oh, drivers yeah. saw the tracks. That was really good. Thank you. Um, 12 questions is exclusive to the athletic this year. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff. So, you know, we're going to have uh, much more to come all season long, not just from Daytona. So uh, if you could please support our work so we can keep going to these races, we'd appreciate it. And you can go to, again, theathletic.com slash NASCAR. But um, Jordan, you know, what else are you looking forward to from Atlanta uh, when you get there next week? Like, do you, do you think it's worn yeah, out enough that I mean, it won't that's, be? That's yeah. the question, right? I mean, when they when they did this reconfiguration, it was give it a little bit of time, let the track wear a little bit, and it's not going to be the super speedway pack racing that it was at the drop. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen that change. Both races last year, Atlanta felt much like what we've seen when they first reconfigured it. Maybe hot. You know, if it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny, maybe that, that changes it up a little bit. But uh, curious to see if that track changes because, as you can read in the driver survey on the Athletic, um, there's not some fans. Their drivers aren't too fans of that place. Uh, they, they, they don't like it. They miss the old Atlanta, though. Um, the old Atlanta wasn't very entertaining, to be honest with you. Um, so I understand their, I understand why they feel their way. But, you know, on the other hand, that old Atlanta track, needed something needed to be done with it. So we'll see. Um, looking at this race really quick, just a couple other notes. Um, another year, no win for Brad Keselowski. Another year, no win for Kyle Busch. No win for Martin Truex Jr. Um, guys that are up there in their careers. I mean, they're not retiring anytime soon, but they're a lot closer to the end than the beginning. Um, both of those guys, both Brad and Kyle Truex too. I mean, he was up there had a very much a realistic shot to, to win this thing. Um, Brad got caught up in that wreck, and I don't even know – honestly, I don't know what happened to Kyle. I don't either. Um, I mean, because he had had a, a heck of a oh comeback. He was back in the top ten. And like, um, uh, Kyle finished 12th, by the way. Yeah, he finished 12th. Um, I don't see what – if he – I didn't see what happened to him in the wreck I didn't either, but. that would have put him back, I guess. But, 
in the big one. But yeah, he came back to 12th. Um, but yeah, I mean, they both put themselves in great position, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Keselowski was in position. Yeah. And you could tell that from Logano's interview too, right? Like, I mean, he thought he had, he said he thought he had the people around him that he wanted around him, um, which is as much as important as anything in, at the end of these races, right? Mm -hmm. Like people he could work with and people he trusted and you still get wrecked. And um, I wrote a story on The Athletic for Sunday and it was just like the, the driver's talking about this, just the weird dichotomy of this race where it's like, you know, we all know it's, it's not about pure talent or pure, pure skill or even who drove the best race or who had the fastest car. Um, but yet it's highly regarded as the number one race to win. And it's like, how do you reconcile those two things? It's sort of like the eternal question in NASCAR because you sort of never can really, <laughs> we'll go through periods where we're like, Oh, it's totally random who wins these things. And and it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's guys who continually put themselves in position. That's who it is. It's true. Um, the, well, we thought that was true, but guess who won tonight? A guy who had never finished on the lead no, lap. No, that's the hand. Byron is one. I understand that, but Byron is one on a super speedway. He's one here at Daytona. Okay, who? About half the field's one on a super speedway no, at this point. No, that's not true. Um, Kyle Larson hasn't. Um, Truex hasn't. I mean, I can keep going if you want. Um, no, like, I mean, there is something. Byron is noted as one of the better super speedway racers, like, period. Like, if you were going to draft a team, he's not the top pick because he's, there's, you know, Hamlin, Blaney, but he's in that, he's close to the top. He's in the top 10. Like, he's really good in these races. And yeah, he's had bad luck here, but he's, again, he's one of those guys always in the mix. And even if you look at the recent winners, you know, McDowell, Hamlin won in 20, obviously. McDowell in 21, we know he was good. Like, it's not a fluke. Um, the and Stenhouse won last year. The only one you could look at and say, out of left field, crazy is, is Cinder because he was a rookie. Cinder. Also driving for Penske, but he's also good. You know, he has experience. Like, I, I am firmly in the belief. I, I get tired of that notion of this is a crapshoot. And, oh, yeah, it happens. I get it. But more often than not, the guys who win these races are pretty damn good. You know, um, Byron won. Byron and Logano won both Atlanta races last year. Well, guess what? They're both great on super speedways. Um, Blaney won at Talladega last fall. Um, uh, I mean, I, I just I look at this and like this is there's a reason these guys continue to put themselves in the position and the same crop of guys continue to win a bulk, bulk of these races like. I get there's a luck element involved, but there's a skill, and there, and I don't think these guys get enough credit for that. I totally agree with you. I don't argue with that at all. But the the crapshoot element of it is, you can do everything sure. right. And Logano did tonight. Logano did just about everything right. But it could last yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of these guys did, and I get that, and that's part of it. And so, um, I I do wonder, as you know, in the in the case of Brad and Kyle and Martin, like. It, it you know you almost you know Brad tweeted something and you could tell like he you know this bums him out like you know like you know like you're not gonna have a lot more shots at this because you know it's no. you, you kind of almost you wonder if you start to think of like man I I may go my career without winning that race the race I want to win more than anything the race that defines us in a lot of respects may be one that uh, I'm not gonna have my resume like a Rusty Wallace or a Mark Martin or a Tony Stewart. I mean, that's true, but I also don't think, you know, 
in this in the story that I was referencing that I wrote, like Logano says in the story, you know, the, the Daytona 500 not only doesn't define your career, but like if you could choose to have 15 cup wins versus one Daytona 500, he said, I think I'd take the 15 cup wins. Mm. Um, and he is a Daytona 500 winner, but he said he'd rather have 15 cup wins than one Daytona 500 because ultimately that is sort of like the truer test of your overall career and your skill and your talent and your team. Um, and so, yes, this, this race will always be the race, right? Like it's always going to be NASCAR Super Bowl, and it gets the most hype and the rock comes and gets all fired up and it's cool, right? Like it's, it's NASCAR shot at the big time and, and to, to compete on the national sports landscape, right up with the Kentucky Derby and, and things like that. But ultimately it's, you know, I, I think I think it was Keselowski's quote to, to Bob Pockris on Media Day. I I think where he said something like this: "This race uh, chooses you, or something like it's it's not your it's not it's just not all in your control." And um, everybody just sort of accepts that. But it's still, yeah, it's so, it's so tough to wrap your arms around that concept in so many ways. But that's how it is. How excited were you to see The Rock on uh, Sunday? How excited yeah. was I? A lot of people were pretty excited to see him. I was wondering where your excitement level was at. I mean, I think it's pretty badass. Like, I think he's pretty cool. I, I like The Rock. Um, I mean, so I like I, it was really cool because, you know, DJ Khaled had come in, which I love. You know, obviously, probably people saw my video of asking Bob, yo, Bob, how's business? Booming. Right. Like, and he got to show that video, DJ Khaled and all that stuff. That was, that was really fun. But like, there's more of like a casual environment with a lot of the celebrities that come into these media centers. There's very few that like suck the air out of the room before they enter. And like, it was like dead quiet in there for like five minutes before the rock came in. That media center was like almost every seat was filled and it was just like totally like it, it just felt like a big presence, and then the door opened, and he like walks in, <laughs> and like he kind of like cracked a little joke, and like nobody, it was everybody's like, oh, the Rock, like, you know, he has almost like half a billion followers on Instagram or something crazy like that. So I mean, the guy is he's the Rock. He's he's pretty big, kind of like who doesn't know who he is, you know? Uh, it's not like one of these people where they name him Grand Marshal or whatever, and all the NASCAR fans respond to your tweet, and they're like, who? I've never heard of this guy. Um, you're, you're not going to say that about The Rock, right? So I also think it's really cool that he stayed yeah. an extra day. A lot of you know, people, especially I'm sure he's pretty busy, um, and he, he stayed long enough. He stuck it out. He got here. He was posting on his Instagram Saturday night. He was very enthusiastic about it. What do you it. think The Rock did think, on I his just, Sunday of like day off in Daytona, where he had like a you know, is he going to the oyster the oyster pub? Is he you know just walking the the boardwalk along the the street? What's what's he doing in in Daytona on a random Sunday that's raining? I mean, aside from being, coming in the media center briefly, <laughs> um, I think he probably was in the gym because have you seen that dude's arms? Yeah. I mean, well, he goes to the gym at like head, midnight, so. though. So sometime before midnight, though, he's got to be yeah. doing something. <laughs> How many times a day do you think he goes to the that's gym? A good question. Probably a couple. I a mean, lot more than I do. That's for sure. Yeah, and that wasn't a shot at no, you. But, I, I mean, did yeah. Listen. I mean, I'm sculpted. Um, I ain't that sculpted. You're sculpted. You don't oh, wear. You don't wear. You don't look it. like this. You know, by accident. Oh. Okay. Well, I mean, I. 
I look like yeah, this. You look good. So. Look at you. Fill out that suit. Well. I'm, I'm almost sad. I'm almost sad that I'm not going to dress so nice. I just want to point out quick. I know we're going to talk more. We're not going to talk about the suit, but you did acknowledge. You did agree to that. I am going to dress you for Phoenix Championship weekend. You said that. There's witnesses. Our friend NASCAR Chasm was there. You can't back out on this. I have some information I could pull out right now that I'd really like to pull out. What so information don't make is me, that? No, no. Don't make what me pull it, that out. No. I think you should reveal the source of the suit. No, oh, no. We're not doing that. No. Yeah, we're live on no. we're live on the podcast, and the people want to no. know. Where would you get the suit? I ordered it. Okay. Where would no, you, where'd you order, order it from? No, we're not talk, we already talked about we are not doing this. We are done with this. We are putting this to bed. We are moving on. I I think it's very important for people no. to know because remember, if you back up, you were poo pooing the idea that I would get you clothes from Target. I for did this not bed. get it at Target. No. You did not get it at Target. Just can you no, just tell told, everybody, no, please, where no. you got it from? No. I, I'm going to. No, you promised you wouldn't. Hey, I asked you. You can't break your word. We're not doing this. You gave me your word. I told you in confidence. Don't break that trust. That's why I think you should no. just you should just tell anyway, everybody. I think it's time for the good race poll. <laughs> please, can you just no. tell everybody, please? It's not no, that big of a deal. We're not doing this. Time for the good race poll. I believe you I won the last word, and I don't want I don't want people to think that I don't keep my promises. But I do think that sure. you owe the uh, listeners duly noted. Where you got, the got it. Thank you. Moving on. Sorry, guys. I, I tried. <laughs> All right. Well, the was it a good race poll? I won the oh clash. Can I just boy, interrupt really that, quick? Like this Xfinity race, what? there's just a no, oh, just another big wreck. Yeah, it just got really quiet. There's out like there. one big. Every time I look down, it feels like there's one big wreck after another in this thing. Yeah, I think this is at least the ninth. This is the ninth. Custer's caution, in this so. one. Allgaier. Man, wrecking yeah. a lot of cars. I, I was I was thinking that we would try to milk this podcast until the end uh, of the race, but they keep wrecking. I'm not spending the night so here. The <laughs> way this race is going, <laughs> I already got to work late enough the way it is. I'm not staying until the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is this is definitely a big wreck. This is the one with uh, for for those of you listening later, nine laps to go, and uh, they're they're tearing up some stuff tonight, folks. Anyway, um, okay, so there was a good race poll. Um, I I did win the clash one, although we were both off by like thirty percent or something. Racing was good. We were, we just, were. I just sometimes I quite, I just I wonder what people are going to vote or you know why they're voting the way they do. Well, you have to take into account all the factors of why people would. Yeah. You know they didn't like the clash. They didn't like the venue. I get it. They didn't. Yeah. So they they wanted they wanted to send a message that they didn't sure. want it back there, and you know Denny played a part in that and all that stuff. So um, anyway. Uh, what do I think it's going to be tonight? I, you know, you have to look at ultimately even the great super speedway races, um, don't get super high. Was it a good race poll results? They just don't. Um, it's, it's very rare for a super speedway race to get even close to the nineties. Um, but I think this was a a very good race and very entertaining. Uh, people probably aren't going to like the finish. I don't know, but I don't see why you would vote it down like below 80. Like, I don't see what would people not like about it. So um, because of that, 
and I'm trying to make sure that you that I trap you where I want where I want to go here because I think you're gonna price is right me as well. Um, <clears throat> I think I'll I think I'll go eighty four point five percent. All right, eighty four point five percent. That's good. I thought this was yeah. a good race. I it, I don't understand why people wouldn't vote this way, but that thinking often gets me in trouble. Um, I actually learned a lesson from how I voted at the clash. Uh, I got to remember going forward. Um, what I think often sometimes isn't what other people think. Um, what I, what I believe is constitutes a good race isn't always the same thing. So I, eighties just in mid eighties seems a little high to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm a gentleman. Unlike you, I'm not going to box you in like that. I'm going to say 79 for, I don't know, for whatever reason. Maybe it's the delay. Maybe some people couldn't watch it. You know, they worked at 4 o'clock, and they couldn't get home to watch the beginning of it. Um, you know, um, they don't like the winner. They maybe, they maybe, honestly, let's be honest, maybe they wanted to see more crashes. Maybe, you know, maybe they there's some people that want to see that stuff. I, I don't know. Whatever reason, I'm going to go 79. Wow, the clash really shook. It honestly did. It really did change. Like, I really had to. I, I'm not kidding you. Like, I actually like. I need to reevaluate this. Like, on how I think of things, and I, I, I don't want to say I'm not. I, oh boy, we got Jordan rattled after one. Rattled. Was it a good race, Paul? He is nervous you know about what? the bet you already. A pink suit like that. Woo! Stop clapping, because big picture, bud. Over a 38 weeks, 38 week season. I'm gonna come out ahead more often than not. So that's. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you've lost your confidence. Um, I'm liking this. By the way, we are accepting. Um, we are accepting suggestions for how we will settle this bet next year because we just decided that we've done the close yeah. things. We need something else. However, I'll throw this out, Jordan. <laughs> and so, please, for those of you listening, you know we won't decide right now. We'll we'll figure it out by the summer. But um, we need to decide what the bet is. So f- throw suggestions at us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take all those. Um, so, yeah. So I was on the elevator today, and I hop on, and, you know, another compliment for your suit that you picked out. This woman, it's just this woman to me. It's kind of awkward. She's like, oh, honey, you're looking fine. And I'm like, oh, I, I actually lost a bet. She's like, oh, honey, I don't think you lost the bet. I think you won the bet. <laughs> and I'm like, well... <laughs> She wink like, at you. Well, you know, she's like, she's like, well, did she, wink um, at she you? explained that in her, did she yeah. wink at me? No, she, she like held out her hand. She, for so she phone. wanted physical contact okay. with you. Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm taken. Okay. I understand. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Some women are trying anyway. Um, oh, geez. Um, so yeah, sorry, boy, you, you just really <laughs> threw me off of that comment there, Jordan. Jeez. Holy cow. Um, so, so she said, well, yeah, you know, she explained that she had a fantasy football league and that people in her fantasy football league would have a bet um, and they would always make the other person do something, you know, bad for the loser. And she said that one year it was that like everybody had a beard or something, all the men. And so that the the loser of like the big game or whatever, the, the Super Bowl in their uh, fantasy league had to shave no. off exactly no. half of the no. beard and wear it. So only no. half a beard. Yeah, no, I, I got it. The answer is no. You wouldn't no. do that? We both have beards. I got it. I understand. Thank you for the visual. I couldn't understand you had to shave half your face. I appreciate that. Uh, no, the answer is uh-huh. no. Absolutely not. You just made me wear a pink suit. And you look suit. damn good. No one looks good with a half-shaven face. 
Show me somebody who looks good with a half-shaven face, and we can re- we can revisit this conversation. I don't think we're supposed to look good. I think that's the whole point of losing a bet. No, not doing not doing. I mean, that. I did I did kind of, you know, you were gent- you were you were good here. You were easy on me. You could have made it a lot worse, and so I, I wasn't. This wasn't as bad as you know. Yeah. It could have no. been, right? But like. I think it should be a punishment to lose. Like I, you know, shave half. It the was face. a punishment because you were that. uncomfortable. So that—that's your punishment. So I didn't even, I'm not I doing was, that. I, no. I, I, I did not go in the garage. I, I'm well cars. aware that pissed me. Can I say pissed <laughs> off on this? Because it pissed me off that you didn't. All day today, I was lamenting to people because people are asking me about this. I don't mean to talk about this. I'm sorry, but like, like, oh man, where's Jeff? I'm like, he's up in the freaking press box. What? I'm like, yeah, the candy ass. To use a rock term is hanging out in the press box all day instead of down here in the garage doing your job, you know, you know, talking to people, reporting, getting the inside scoop on things like, you know, we're supposed to do. You're up in the press box hiding. I went to the tweet up. I didn't hide from anybody. I took like more pictures today than I've taken in my entire life. I didn't uh, hide, but I wouldn't have been able to do my job anyway because it was like, I, I, may, I might as well have walked around with like a huge flashing spotlight going off me everybody would have been like oh the suit the suit the suit so um i wouldn't have been able to like have a productive conversation anyway and it paul's also even on pit road afterwards the drivers are like laughing in my face so nobody's taking you seriously at this point so it's like nah i'm just gonna stay up in the press box and uh cover things from here so that's that's why sorry sorry i offended you it's all good uh anyway yes we do need listener help we need a new bet help us please yes yeah okay all right. Well, um, we didn't we didn't make it to the end of Xfinity race unless you want to try to milk this for. I five I'm looking at my thing. Uh, only thing I have, I have another thing on my list. The only one I have left, honestly. Um, I felt bad for Michael McDowell at Front Row Motorsports. Like starts on the second row, smartly manages the duels, bails out at the end, preserves his car. You looked at how good the Fords are. We know he's fast. His teammate Todd Gillen was good today, so presumably. If Gilliland's engine holds together and everything, like he's going to certainly be in the mix, you know, and you never know. Like, and it went sour halfway through stage one, and he just was off the pace, limping. You mean McDowell? You said oh, Gilliland. I'm sorry. Yeah, McDowell's engine went sour. Yeah. He's limping around the rest of the day, never had a chance. It just, you know, this is a really super speedways in general are an opportunity race for front row motorsports. Obviously, Daytona, especially with all it represents, and to have it go that way that early, I felt bad for him. Because they were very optimistic. Um, Gillen led um, 16 laps today. Before today, he had only led 11 in his entire career. So that was a really yeah. good um, showing for him. By the way, who do you think led the most laps today? Uh, I would have. I would not have necessarily. Um, no, he was second. He led 22 laps. Somebody led 45 laps. Um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Oh, it was Logano. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, he dominated. He really yeah. dominated that. He. But you really had. I mean, so you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drivers lead double-digit laps yeah. today. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, for for a Daytona 500, because um, it's not like just oh yeah, you had one guy get up and lead a couple laps. Like nine drivers in double digits. Um, Byron led four. So. Well, the one that matters. Yep. Anyway, all right. Well, I guess we'll give up on giving this. If there's some something spectacular that ha, that finishes the Xfinity race, I, I'm not. I'm not sure they have any cars left right now. 
Um, but uh, we'll maybe we'll try to do an add-on to this. But <laughs> we, we just can't no. make it. In the meantime, uh, everybody, thanks always for listening. Thanks to those of you who watch on the live chat. Thanks for those of you listening on the podcast. Either way, we're appreciating um, you for you know giving us a shot here. We, I know we have a lot of new listeners as well. Thanks for giving us a try. And uh, we will talk to you next time from Atlanta on the teardown. See everybody. Check out Dirty Mode Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.